The Bible reading that will be the focus for our devotion today is taken from St. Paul's letter to the young pastor Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and then verse 8. Bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would now strengthen our faith through them. Amen. Right underneath your sternum, there is kind of a soft spot. And it's a spot where if you were to take a sword and run it in there, it's highly likely you would not survive. Many years ago, a man put the tip of his sword right up next to his sternum underneath it and was just about ready to fall forward onto his sword. And the reason was he knew his life was probably going to be coming to an end very soon. He was in charge of a jail in a city called Philippi. And a number of people, um, he was afraid, had escaped from this prison that he was in charge of. And knowing that quite often the one in charge of the prison would be put to death if any of the prisoners escaped, he thought the best way to end his life was to just kill himself. And suddenly, somebody in one of the cells yelled out, Stop! We're all here! It's the same man that yelled out, Stop! that just a little bit earlier had been kind of conducting like a worship service in his cell, singing hymns, speaking to each other about, about things about the Christian faith. And so this jailer went running into this cell, the dark cell, called for a light, probably lit a candle. And he came up to this man and he dropped in front of him and he asked the greatest question any human being can ever ask. What must I do to be saved? That means go to heaven someday. What must I do to go to heaven someday? And this man talking to him, St. Paul, the very one who wrote the text in front of us, St. Paul didn't give him a whole list of things he had to do. Instead, he directed him to the one who had done everything for him. And that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who had come into this world to go to the cross and pay for the sins of every person in the whole world. And by his death had won for everyone perfect life in heaven. And so Paul simply says to this man, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your family. Believe this wonderful message that Jesus Christ has come and paid for all your sins so you can go to heaven. If you believe in that and take it to your family, you'll go to heaven someday. And we're told right after that that this man was so excited about this news that he brought these very prisoners with him back to his own house and he had them teach the same truth to his family members so they could learn about it as well. And we're told immediately he and his whole family were baptized. They immediately became Christians. And then there's a great line at the end of this story recorded in the book of Acts. It says, the whole family was filled with joy because they had come to believe in God. The whole family was filled with joy because he'd come to believe in God. Now, I want you to look at the text that we just read again on our sheet. Okay? 
bodily exercise profits a little, okay, taking care of your body. But it says godliness, that means being concerned about getting to heaven through faith in Christ. Godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. When you have a, a heart that is focused on the most important thing, and that is getting to heaven someday through faith in your Savior, that brings a blessing not only for you eternally to be able to go to heaven, but it also brings blessings in this earthly life. It also delivers benefits to the most important relationships we have here on earth as well. Godliness is profitable for all things, Paul says, for every aspect of your life. God has a lot to say in his word about being heavenly-minded, okay, that, that we should be concerned most about going to heaven someday. And he also is concerned, though, about how much we bring that heavenly-mindedness into our home life, into our marriages, into our roles as parents someday, into your future homes that you may establish. And God has designed the family. All of us had some type of family. God has designed the family with an important significance that he wants us to remember has primarily to do with getting to heaven. That's the primary focus for having families from God's perspective. And that when you have a godliness, when you have a, a Christ-centered, getting-to-heaven thoughtfulness in your heart and mind, that will have an impact on how you go about things in your daily life, daily life with your home. It'll also affect your job and your friends and everything too, but primarily there in the home life. Now, you know who else knows how significant this is? The devil. The devil understands very well how important our marriages are and our relationships with our children. He gets it. He understands it. And so anything he can do to mess that up, he knows is not only going to bring trouble for you in this life, but potentially keep you from going to heaven. If it messes up your spiritual life enough that you stop being concerned about your Savior and listening to his word and looking forward to going to heaven, if he can mess up your earthly life enough with your relationships and your family, he can cause tremendous damage as far as eternal life goes as well. The Christian faith is, is not only about the most important thing, and that is getting to heaven. That's truly the most important thing as that jailer came to realize. But it's also about our earthly lives. It's also about the things that happen in our homes. I want to give you an example uh, from the 1800s from an author by the name of C.F.W. Walther that is an example of how you can apply being heavenly-minded and Christ-centered and have it affect your earthly life. Just listen to how, how well he applies all of this to earthly life. He says, Blessed is the marriage in which the husband loves his wife as Christ loves his bride, the church. How does Christ love his church? He loves her, first of all, from the heart, fervently, giving her drink with his own heart's blood. Talking about the Lord's Supper. The Christian husband should love his wife no less fervently. Second, Christ loves his church, although she is full of stains. He covers her sins with his own righteousness. The Christian husband should love his wife just as patiently, despite her weaknesses and faults. Third, Christ eternally cares for his church, his bride. 
He protects her in danger. He comforts her in sorrow and fills her with peace and joy. The Christian husband should love his wife just as actively, seeking to give her daily joy as his second self. In other words, as if she's just a, a continuation of him. So too is the Christian wife. She does not require hard commands. Rather, she can learn how to care for her husband and children by observing with her eyes. She considers herself blessed to be able to do this. When you have an, a heavenly perspective and a Christ-centered focus and apply that word of God to how you treat relationships in your home, it will have an impact on the life of the believers here in this world. Now, we are weak, fallen people. And we, we have troubles in our marriages too and in our, and in our home life too and with our kids. Uh, but by God's grace, we filter all of that through the precious word of God and the wonderful love that he's shown us in Christ. It would have been interesting if God in the book of Acts gave us a little more, uh, a little more to the story of what happened to that jailer and his family, how this potentially impacted them. It simply leaves us with telling us that joy permeated their whole family life because it had come to change their perspective on life. One of my seminary profs used to say this, I can't think of a single area of my life where God's word doesn't have something to say about it. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, getting to heaven, make that the number one thing in your life, and all these things will be added unto you. There will be a, an earthly benefit and blessing that comes when you have a heavenly mindedness. It will also impact and bless your earthly life. Martin Luther said this once, There are many people whose heart God can fill so full that they have only a morsel of bread, and yet they are cheerful and more content than any prince or king. And that's what, that's what having Jerusalem as your happy home is all about, okay? It, 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 when that becomes the focus and the attention of your earthly life, it's not just to get you out of your grave someday where you can go to heaven with your Savior who's won that for you by his resurrection, but it's also having an impact here on our day-to-day -day life. I'll read our text one more time. Godliness, in other words, being concerned about getting to heaven through faith in Christ. Godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is, now, and of that which is to come. May God bless each of your future homes and marriages. Amen.